So Money Episode 451, Louisa Joe, business coach for aspiring entrepreneurs. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? You know you are. That's why you listen to this show. You're looking for a better way. You're looking for a richer, fuller life. And today's guest, Louisa Joe, is going to tell us how she did it and how she's teaching her clients how to do it. She is a business coach for aspiring entrepreneurs, helping specifically women. But men, you're going to learn from this episode, too. She's got a lot of knowledge. She's helping people create their dream business, their dream career, and a more fulfilling lifestyle. And she created her coaching business while working a nine to five, which many of us are in a nine to five job, but we want something entrepreneurial. We want to be our own boss. How do we make the transition? She speaks in depth about her process and how in just four months, she made over $100,000 in sales while still working that full-time job. Some of the failures she made along the way, because it wasn't always perfect, and her best advice for anyone who just wants to know how and where to start. You have an idea, you're busy with work, Maybe you're even juggling parenting, but you really, really want to shoot for the stars. You want to make your dream a reality. She gives you some really great concrete steps, steps you can start taking, well, today. Here is Louisa Joe. Louisa Joe, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me here. I was uh, looking at your bio online, and I think you're going to have a lot of great advice for listeners today. And whether you're someone listening and you are in the midst of starting a business or it is a dream, it's sort of a pie in the sky right now. Louisa is going to really give us some concrete steps to accomplishing the dream, you know, which for a lot of us is to become self-employed, be entrepreneurial. I think we're living in this entrepreneurial, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a boom? Yeah, I, yeah, I think boom is a really great word. And I absolutely agree. It's now it's, you know, the time of possibility of living your life to the fullest. We're not restrained by a lot of the rules or just beliefs of the previous uh, generations or years. And a lot of people are seeing that, you know, I, I see my friend or someone online having the freedom to create this business that they love and work from wherever. Right. And they want that too. And you can absolutely, yeah, have that. And we look at that almost in disbelief, you know, because we have been scammed. There are a lot of quote unquote, make money online quickly scams. And I think that unfortunately that soils uh, this perception that, you know, you actually, there are real authentic ways to be yourself and do uh, and make money from your passion online. You yourself were at one point straddling the nine to five. You were at a full-time job in the startup world. Interestingly enough, you worked at a startup, wanted to run your own business Mm -hmm. at the same time. And while you were kind of living both worlds, that was a big time commitment. I mean, that's, I think, the biggest challenge is I have a great idea. I work a nine to five, but I'm busy. My nine Mm -hmm. to five is actually an eight to 12 (laughs) p.m. um, midnight. So how do you how did you actually 
find the time to create this business on the side? Yeah, absolutely. So there were a couple of things that really helped. Um, and, you know, I think it comes down to this. If you want something badly enough, I think we, we as people, as just smart individuals are resourceful. We will make the time. If you can make the time to come home after a long day at work and watch TV for two hours mindlessly, which I know I've been guilty of many times in the past, you can make the time to do something that'll change your life. Um, so once you you have that mindset, it's about figuring out, all right, I know there is a solution. How do I find it? And so a couple of things I did was number one, at each phase of building my business, I focused on just one thing. I think when you're starting a business, there's so many things you need to do. You need to sell. Well, I mean, the quote unquote, um, you know, general advice, you need to build a site. It needs to be beautiful. You need to have copy for that. You need to start sending out newsletters and all of that is great. And there's there's a time and place for all of that. But when you're starting, for example, you don't have all the time, all the resources to be focusing on all of those things. It's a step-by-step process. And so what I mean is the very first step when you have an, a business idea is to make sure that that idea is valid, that that's a, an idea that can generate you money and that you want to be doing for a sin- significant amount of time. And so that looks like just speaking with people who might be ideal clients, who might be interested in what you have to offer and just asking them a very, very simple, but important questions like what are, why, what are you struggling with? What, you know, what's the end goal here? Why is it important to you? And then the biggest question at the end is testing that willingness to pay. And it can be as simple as, would you be willing to pay for blank? You know, whatever problem, a solution to whatever problem they, they said. And a lot of people miss that step. They'll talk to their friends or they will just research other businesses, but they won't directly speak with someone live and ask for that willingness to pay. And how I know, you know, you've, how you know you've got something is basically when someone responds and it's not just a, oh yeah, that sounds nice. Maybe in the future, because I mean, they're probably trying to be nice, but when someone responds and you can hear the excitement and energy in their voice and they're saying, oh my gosh, yes, I need that. Once you, you have that, it's really, um, you know, then, you know, you can move forward. So, uh, you know, not to go too much into that, but that's really the key that once you have that idea, that clarity, that willingness and ability to pay from the market that you want to enter, then the next step is about getting your first client. It's not about building your newsletter to a hundred, a thousand, however many subscribers. It's not about setting up a website. It's about finding out where your people hang online, especially if you're an online business. I mean, of course you can find local meetups, places like that. The watering holes. Yeah, exactly. Um, which always works. You use all of the, you know, um, places that you have, but when you figure out, when you understand your audience through doing that market research, figure out where they're hanging out online. So it could be that there are forums specific to your industry. Like, uh, you know, if your people love, uh, and you want to do something related to, I don't know, style or, um, I don't know, mindset, anything just there are places, uh, LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, specific specific sites dedicated to those interests where your people are hanging out. Right. I'm actually, I'm currently 
enrolled in Zero to Launch, which is Ramit Sethi's program on how to launch an online business. And he echoes a lot of what you're saying. And I think the whole point is you want to be able to really get into the mindset of your potential client to not just know what their pain points are, but what are the words that they're using to describe their challenges? Because ultimately, that's going to help you in your marketing to be able to write a sentence that's going to click with your end user. And they'll look at your product as not just something that's nice to have, but like you said, I need this. Exactly. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, you know, you understand the concept, but you don't really do the, you know, work behind it. And what I mean by that is I love using this example because it's so visual. If you, for example, want to help people lose weight because you've gone through that in your life. And there's a big difference between saying, I'll help you lose weight versus I'll help you fit back into your pre-baby jeans and feel good about yourself and walk into a room and have your husband look at you and tell you that you're hot. Right. You know, I know you're talking about too, Nagina. <laughs> Nagina Sati, who's been on this show. I think I, I subscribed to her e- email. She's a friend. I'm like, wait, I've heard that before. It's because uh, she uses that very well and she has a very successful online business. And we know that the health and wellness space is really hard to break into. It's a very saturated market, but she is doing it very well. And by the way, someone who is straddling the nine to five and starting her own business and she's doing it very well. So check out that episode with Nagina Sati Abdullah. Louisa, tell us a little bit about your process of how you, I understand, made a hundred over $100,000 in the first, first four months of your yeah. business. How did you yeah. do that? So it was definitely not the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, but so what it is, is, you know, I, I advocate a very step-by-step, really systematic approach for every step of your business. And I did the same thing. And so what I did was, you know, I was working up to 20 hours per week or as much as I could on my business. And each step of the way, I focus on just a few things. And this is what I mean. So I did that, you know, validate your market, get, get your first paying clients by building relationships, hanging out where they are. I didn't bother with the setting up a beautiful site, any of that until later. Then what I did was once you have that first paying client, you need to go out there. And because a lot of the time, what goes on through your mind when you have one paying client is, oh, maybe this was a fluke. Can I do it again? Or, you know, I, I don't completely understand my client uh, the way I will after I've gotten three more. And so after getting that first one, which is a huge milestone, is to do what's working and get the next three to five. And that's the number I recommend for a few reasons. First, when you're working one-on-one with people, not only do you build a better relationship, you help them get better results, which is key to building a successful business. You need to get out there and help people get results quickly. Um, not only that, but you can bring in a significant amount of money because you're giving them personal attention and customized feedback uh, for the, you know, get a maximum return on your time investment. And so doing that, getting my first um, five clients, at uh, for for private consulting, I was able to bring in a significant amount of money, which then and and also it helped me really understand 
how to speak to my clients, um, how to really help them get the results that they needed to get. Because before that, I knew logically, yeah, I can help you with this. But it wasn't until I had actually helped them get results that there was proof that, okay, I have a system that works. Then at that point, it's time to make a shift. Because here's the thing, no one starts a business to say, yeah, I want to leave my nine to five, but I want to continue trading hours for dollars. So I'm going to be working with, you know, 40 clients or whatever crazy number one on one and being on calls 40 hours a week. Nobody wants to do that. Um, And so the beauty of the online world is you have so much leverage. And so what you do is you take the knowledge you've gained from working with those clients one-on-one and package that into a small group program. And I'm not talking about, you know, something that's $2,000 or a fancy membership site. It's again, keeping it so simple. And so maybe you create like a private Facebook group, you, um, you know, sell out a group program to maybe 10 people at a less than $500 price. Um, and so through that, what I did was I leveraged the results I helped my clients get up to that point and said, Hey, here's my social proof. I used paid advertising to drive more people through the, um, promotion. I was doing the webinars, the sales calls, the live video streams, and then shared, Hey, you know, this is my one-on-one. Now I'm packaging it into a, uh, lower investment option. If you want a group experience. And so it was the exact same thing I'd already really, um, you know, created with my clients, but packaging it in a different way. And so, um, sorry, were you going to say yeah, something? Well, I, yeah, well, my ears perked up when you said Facebook group mm-hmm. and monetizing a Facebook group. Can you please just tell me a little bit about that and give me some how-tos on that? Because that, to me, seems like fantastic passive income. Yeah. So I mean, not it, that you're just passive. You have to be involved in the Facebook group, right. but like, it seems very low maintenance. It really is. So, um, I mean, it's really the concept of any program or membership site. It's just you take out all of the in between stuff The you know, this, the membership site that would cost you $2,000 to set up and maintain the beautifully designed PDFs that uh, are going to cost you another couple of thousand dollars with a designer. People want results, especially um, if you're doing it at a lower price point. It's, it's not about let me, you know, I don't recommend this if you're creating like a $3,000 product, but if you're creating a less than $500 program and you're saying, I'm going to help you get this result, the plus side is you, I'm going to be in that Facebook group. I'm going to be answering your questions. Um, and then what you can do is you create the, uh, the training, you know, every week, every other week, you up, just upload it into the Facebook group and then you see what questions people have and you respond and interact with them that way. Real, that way it's really intimate. There, there's low overhead and the most important thing, people get results. And so, um, you know, those are, those are really the basics to just using it as a Facebook group. It's basically just a, an inbuilt membership site for you there already. And then what's great is people can also see each other. So it's not like a traditional membership site where people just engage with your program and that's it. People support each other, which really helps make your job even easier. They feel this great sense of community and, um, you know, it just kind of builds on, builds on all of that. One risk, though, is that it's on Facebook, which as much as we love Facebook and use Facebook, it's on Facebook. And if Facebook ever goes away, uh, that's a risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because um, this is the thing. And I do share that all the time. So a couple of things. Um 
you want to start where you're at, right? And so whatever the lowest hanging fruit is for now, that's Facebook groups. That being said, you always want to own the assets in your business, which you don't own a Facebook group. And so what I recommend, um, is after creating that first program, again, it's super step-by-step, you know, first one-on-one, first small group program. After that, at that point, you've brought in the income you need to be able to take your business to the next step. And what that looks like is, okay, now it's time to think about scaling. Uh, What that looks like is building your email list, um, taking the people who are in your free Facebook group, your paid Facebook group, adding them to your own newsletter list. Um, and then using that income, now that you have a proven group program product as well, it's all about you know proving things at the lowest cost possible in the beginning. After you have that and you can um, you know prove it, you've gotten results for your first group of clients, then you can turn it into that pretty site where you own the site, you have membership modules, the PDF are a little bit fancier. And then that way, you don't have to worry about if Facebook group um, groups go away tomorrow, you still own everything. But it's just about if you were, you know, it's about like building on it step by step. That's really been the key to my success. I didn't start out with a $3,000 product or even a $500 one. Um, You know, I just, I, at each step where I was, I did what I needed to do. And I focused on just that one thing and doing it well, so that I could get to where you want to be, of course, as quickly as possible of owning your own assets and your own, you know, programs and platforms. And you work primarily with people who want to build their business through the internet or also offline? Yes. Uh, I work primarily with people who are actually in jobs and want to build their bus- their service-based business. So as long as it's any sort of business where you're teaching, consulting, um, giving a service, those are the people I help. So tell us the range of things that you help clients with. So you mentioned like copywriting, <laughs> yeah. marketing, understanding maybe the different price points at which you can price your services, but what else? What are some of the pain points that you find clients coming to you with? Yeah, Absolutely. So there are a few pain points that just come up over and over. The first one uh, is the first stumbling block. I don't know if I have a business idea. I don't know if I have what it takes to build a business. And a lot of the time people come and they think, uh, you know, I need to build the next Facebook or I need to have this really cool idea or everything I know how to do. The market's already saturated. How could I possibly go out there and do that? And then the very first thing I teach is, you know, market being quote unquote saturated is a good thing. That means there's demand. There's always room for improvement for um, your your version of the product, for your experience, your techniques, whatever that is. It's just about, like you mentioned before, being able to speak specifically to how you'll help them and um, you know how you're different. And so I teach my students to do that. And you know, it's funny. We've had people who are um, who do who've started businesses anywhere from people who are psychics to the usual copywriting sales um, and, you know, Akashic record specialist. So it's all over the place. And actually, we just had um, a student who started a tarot reading business. And it's just it just goes to show that there's there's really a market for anything. You know, there are six seven figure businesses out there where people are literally paying um, to have bags of junk mailed to them because it's exciting. Once you tune into what it is that you can uh, use your experiences and turn into a business and tune into why people would want to pay for that and talk and speak to that, then it's, it's really, it's, 
actually, you know, it's not simple, but it's not hard. It's <laughs> if not it was simple, either. we wouldn't be hiring you. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and pay you the big bucks. Right. So um, that's the first thing. And then there are two other things I really, really help my clients with. Um, so the second thing is how to do it while you're in a job. I think, you know, there are, of course, a lot of really great programs out there, but not a lot of them address the specific pain points. And what I mean by that is, for example, a lot of programs have, um, you know, a ton of videos and it's just hours of video every single week. And well, that's great. But when you're in a job and you're trying to put, you know, scrounge and find every available hour that you have, you don't have time to be watching five, 10 hours of video every uh, week and then working on your business. You know, it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And so what I did instead was I created specifically, my programs are all very step-by-step. They're tactical. They're very results oriented. Um, and they're in a really easy to consume format. A lot of them are in writing. So you can just read it at your convenience, um, and then go out there and do the work. So that's the second thing, uh, teaching you to manage your time and being really, you know, well, this actually leads into the third pain point, which is not knowing what to focus on at what point. Like I talked about earlier, a lot of, um, you know, new entrepreneurs who are in jobs are thinking, I need to start blogging. I need to build a website. I need to, you know, do everything except what I really need to be doing. And what I teach is how to bring it all together in a step-by-step format so that you at each point are focusing on only one thing, but it's the one thing that'll get you to that next point in your business. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. The drag and drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. I might want to hire you. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about your childhood, Louisa. And by the way, I mispronounced your name before we got on the air. Just so people know, I don't get it all right. But your last name is spelled Z-H-O-U, but it's pronounced Joe. That is right. What is your background? What's your ethnicity? Yeah, so I'm Chinese. My parents actually uh, are from China. And you were born here? I was born here. Yes. Tell us about your awareness of money as a kid, what you learned about it when you were growing up. Maybe there was a special memory. Yeah. So, I mean, I I have quite a few special memories, but you know that before I get into that, the overall, I guess, idea I had of money growing up was that it 
didn't matter. It wasn't something you needed to think about consciously. And that's not because we were rolling in dough. It was actually quite the opposite. Um, my parents never talked about money. They had this traditional, you know, immigrant mindset. They'd worked really hard. They'd done something really great with their lives. Um, but they still had that mentality where, you know, we never budgeted. We never talked about if you can afford this or if you can afford that. It was just as long as you're super frugal, the money will take care of itself. And so, you know, I, even up until the point well, until I was in my early 20s, I really had no idea that you were supposed to save, you know, something even that simple that there's this idea that you shouldn't be spending everything that comes in. That was kind of as simple as it sounds now, a really mind blowing moment for me when I realized, oh, yeah, you know, you should be saving. Um, and it wasn't like I was being really extravagant. It was just I didn't have this idea that you know, you need to, you need to build some sort of cushion and, you know, not exactly related to this, but a money memory that I think one of the first I remember is, oh gosh, like I said, my father, you know, my parents immigrated here and my father, his very first job that he got was, um, as you know, working at a gas station after that, because he had, um, an engineering degree, he was able to get a job at, uh, working for, um, first Lockheed Martin and then Boeing. And so where I'm going with this is I remember once sitting at the dinner table and my father just casually mentioning that a few years ago, Ago, a manager who was looking out for him and who was a mentor had given him a raise of about 40% one year because that's how much he had been underpaid for the past five plus wow. years. Yeah. And I remember thinking, because I know my um, father, you know, never really talked about money. His attitude was kind of, oh, you know, that's not something you should talk about. Um, that's not something you need to bother, you know, my children or my wife about. And I'm not and the same attitude applied externally as, as well. He never, you know, he thought he just didn't think it was worth it, I guess, uh, to ask for a raise or to even, you know, ever inquire. And I just remember thinking, wow, that, you know, is so much money over five, 10 years that where you could have been stressing less and where you were paying less, so much less than you deserve because my father worked so hard as well. And it just made me realize a couple of things. First, you miss, you know, that's saying you miss a hundred percent of the goals that you don't make or you don't try for or things you don't ask for. You know, you have to ask. That's, that's the first step, you know, no matter how uncomfortable it feels. That was one thing I carried through with me. And then the other one is, wow, you know, I want to be in that place where I'm in control of how much I make. I never want to have to rely on someone else's generosity looking out for me to be able to, you know, even make a fair wage. I want to be in control of how much I make. No one cares more about your money than you. Exactly. (laughs) If we've learned nothing in the last 26 minutes with Louisa and Farnoosh, it's that no one, I mean, you said rely on the generosity of others. Who, who are those people? Yeah. By the way, I don't think that is, it's very rare. It's it's very rare that your dad was able to get that 40% raise in one fell swoop. And it's sad that he was underpaid all those years, but unfortunately, so are many people and they don't even get to that point where they get to catch up. What would you say was your biggest failure setting up your business? Yeah. So, I mean, there are quite a few failures and there are two I really want to speak to because I think um, there are two huge learnings. Uh, The first one is actually not related to this business. The first one is related to 
um, my the second business I was in, which was a mobile payments tech startup that I worked on with a co-founder. And, you know, this was back a few years ago when mobile payments was kind of going to be the next you know, big thing before Apple payments started coming out and where everyone was thinking, oh yeah, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And, you know, we had a really great concept. We had this great theory of how we were going to enter the market and how we were going to appeal to both merchants because we could offer lower processing fees and consumers because of the um, incentives that merchants would give for people to use it so they could get lower processing fees. And, you know, how we were going to, I mean, don't please don't laugh, how we were going to really just enter this billion dollar industry and really completely disrupt it. And that was great. However, what happened was with all of the um, you know hardware required, we had to bring on a lot of money, and so we actually raised close to a million dollars uh, from um, from angel investors. And, you know, what happened was we were so focused on the theory, we just did not get to implementing and getting results and bringing in revenue fast enough. I I had to walk away from that. And that was just so much money that, you know, was was a pretty big failure. And the biggest thing I took away was it doesn't matter how cool your idea is or just whatever business you're starting. It's about getting to profitability. Uh, profitability as soon as possible. If you wait until everything is perfect to release your product, to release your idea, whatever it is, you've waited too long. It's too late. Wow. And that's a big challenge, I think, because especially women, we like to be perfect. Uh, I like to be perfect. <laughs> yep. We like to be perfect. I think, um, and it's there's evidence in showing that women won't even apply for jobs until they feel they are perfect candidates, that they are meeting all of the required prereqs. So what you're saying is, you know, just be willing to come out into the marketplace. And that's actually fine if your product isn't perfect, because that's the only way you're going to know. You're going to be able to get the feedback that you need. Go into a beta, at least. And that way you can make some money and make some tweaks, like build a plane while you're flying it, as they say. Exactly. Um, That is that is so key. And you're right. It's just Yeah, I cannot stress this enough, you know, focus not on perfection on yes, great customer service, great products, all of that, but nothing is ever going to be perfect. You're always going to be improving. So get out there as soon as possible. And another thing is you can't please everybody. You're going to have haters. You're going to have people who want their money back. You're going to want to have people who find issues. But I think for every 10 people who love it, maybe there's one that doesn't. And that those are fine odds in my book. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) All right, Louisa, you've been so much fun. Let's do some so many fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you finish it. The first thing that comes to mind. Awesome. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you won 100 million bucks. The first thing I would do is. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just so much leverage. I would very first thing, hire the best legal and financial advisors in the world to that specialize in advising high net worth, um, you know, on high net worth uh, wealth management and help and get their advice. And then the things I would actually want to invest in are first my business, I would invest more heavily in a clothing line, which I'm starting, I would also um, then set up my own charity focused on educating uh, women. So hire advisors, set up your clothing line and establish a charity. Yes. That's pretty cool. When I splurge, one thing I like to spend on is? 
Yeah. So travel accommodations and um, <laughs> airfare and hotels. It's just, you know, it just at, after a certain point, it's kind of like I, you need to be frugal, but you also need to take care of yourself. And when you're just on a long flight or you're going into a dinky hotel and you have to be up at who knows what time tomorrow, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's money well spent if you have the money. It's a it's a nice luxury to be able to fly first class or not have to worry about, you know, lugging everything, especially now that I'm traveling with a two-year-old. I very much appreciate, I wouldn't go into first class with a two-year-old. I won't do that to passengers, <laughs> but I like, you know, being able to check in all my bags, even though it's going to cost a little bit more, but I just need all all faculties <laughs> yep. when I'm with a toddler in an airport. Um, when I spend money to make my life easier or better, I like to spend on technology. Um, you know, if that, I mean, it's also a weakness, but it really does make everything better. The newest computer, the newest iPad, just because, um, you know, systems, all of that, just because that is just a return on investment that just pays for itself many, many times over. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... Yeah, so I absolutely focus on organizations that share with me a very detailed plan for how they're going to use that money so that I can see the impact. Um, and this, because this was something I only became aware of a few years ago where so many organizations, you know, they call themselves nonprofits, but in actuality, a lot of the money just goes back into overhead costs for the business. And so I want to look for ones that minimize the middleman where the money is being, you know, funneled to the cause actually. And then the specific causes that I really focus on are uh, women's causes, education, funding their own businesses, and um, water. <laughs> yes. Um, my brother actually did a really quick Kickstarter. I think it was Kickstarter. He just emailed a bunch of his friends and family and said, I'd like to raise money for, I think it was, um, there's a water, you might know it. It's a water charity. Um, charity water? Charity water. Yes. There we go. I just had the words reversed. Yes. And it was a no-brainer. Like Within four hours, he'd raised like $800. Just through friends and family. So people, you know, I think if you just make a compelling case for it, it's there's so many charities. It's just hard to really um, figure out which one is for you, like the most uh, exciting to to be a part of to support. But if like you said, it's important to know where the dollars are going. And there are websites out there that will actually tell you what the overhead costs are. They'll give them star ratings based on how their money gets allocated. And one is Charity Navigator. Um, I think GuideStar is another one. So um, thanks for bringing that up. Oh, yeah. All right. When I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is... Oh, gosh. Yeah. I wish I'd learned that you have the ability to make as much money as you want. Yes. Um, you know? Yes. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't have to be hard and it shouldn't rule your life, but you can make as much as you want. I truly believe that. I mean, imagine if someone had said to 15-year-old Farnoosh, who wa wanted to pursue journalism, instead of saying to me, which is what people said, you'll make no money you will have terrible hours and you won't be able to have a family. Instead, maybe someone said to me, all right, it's not traditionally an industry that, you know, has a lot of money to, to go around, but you can make a name for yourself. You can go out there and call your own shots. I just think had someone told me that too, I wouldn't have maybe taken as much time to figure it out. Really exactly. what I wanted to do. I could have gotten a head start on life. Right, right. So adults out there, if kids come up to you with dreams and you think, oh, well, 
they're going to have a hard life or it's not a lot of money or, you know, encourage them, but show them a better way maybe to find fulfillment in, in those roles. Oh, Louisa, you're so inspirational. Thank you so much. Last but not least, I'm Louisa Joe. I'm so money because... Because I am changing the world. And even more importantly, I'm changing individual lives one at a time. And I'm going to continue to do so for the rest of my life on an increasingly larger scale. Yeah, I can't wait for your clothing line. That's <laughs> exciting. I'll be, I'll be signing up for that. Lisa, thank you so much. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking out for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Louisa, her site is louisajoe.com. And again, her last name is spelled Z-H-O-U. So it's L-U-I-S-A-Z-H-O-U. And she's on Twitter with the same handle, at Louisa Joe. All this information, in case you missed it, the step-by-steps that she shared with us on somoneypodcast.com. We have the transcripts. You can download the audio and you can leave a comment. And if you've got a question for Louisa, leave it there. I'll send it to her. Or send me a question through Ask Farnoosh. Better yet, go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question, whether it's about starting your business business, whether it's about negotiating that raise, making more, saving more, getting out of debt. I love hearing from all of you. So looking forward to connecting. And in the meantime, hope your day is so money. Money.